You're listening to Fine Music Radio, and this is Rodney Trojan welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note. Now, how about this? After a successful debut season at the Baxter two years ago, a production called Snapped is returning, this time to the Magnet Theatre from the 6th to the 23rd of September. It was written by Jenny Resnick and directed by Mark Fleischman. It's described as a riveting two-hander and was first presented as one of the Baxter's first productions as lockdown restrictions lifted in 2021. And it's garnered no fewer than six Fleur de Cup Award nominations and all sorts of awards for lighting, best performance, costume design and so on. And I'm pleased to say that Jenny Resnick, who wrote it and is in charge of the whole thing, is here with me in the studio. Jenny, welcome. It's great to have you here. Oh, thank you so much, Rodney. It's an honor to be here, really. Well, thank you. It's an honor (laughs) to have you here. How about a mutual thing? Um, Let's just start talking about the play and then we can hear more about your life and all the rest of it. Because I've read here that the play intersects two stories, that of a woman stuck in grief over the loss of her father and of a young South African stretcher bearer Mm. uh, from the Cape Corps who was killed in action in World War II and left behind in an Italian grave because his body was unable to be returned to his family. So these are two quite interesting intersections, Mm. may I Mm. say. Tell me how it came into being or what, what was the impulse? The impulse was really that I lost a very beloved father, in fact, now 18 years ago. And I found that I was kind of stuck in a stage of grief where I I sort of felt that it had happened yesterday, even though it was 10 and 12 and 15, 16 years later. And I started to feel that I really wanted to try and move myself on to find a way of of engaging with the grief so that it it could shift. Um, So the way that we work at Magnus theatre is to really kind of uh, try and find universal stories that also intersect with the personal stories of, of the makers or the people that are, are creating work on the floor. So um, during COVID, uh, during the lockdown, mm. um, I started to really try and engage with this issue around grief. And I started to, I did a bit of research and I started to find that there was this particular syndrome called complicated grief syndrome, which is a kind of lock uh, that some people get into around grief, particularly um, mothers or parents of children, etc. Because they they say, don't they, that grief usually lasts two or three years and then kind of dissipates unless, as you say, it's a locked Yes, I, I mean, I think I think that there, there's no blueprint, yeah. but there was definitely a sense where it wasn't natural for me to still be feeling like I couldn't breathe in and out. I was still really? kind of, yeah, oh, it, was, it okay. was quite acute and a, a sense of really that the, my father's death was kind of really pervading my life. So, um, so I, I, like we always do when we make theatre, I went into a room and I started working um, and one of the the things that my father had left behind when he died was a huge archive of photographs. Um, he was the official photographer um, for the Natal Carboneers during the North African and the Italian campaign oh, wow. in the Second World War. Yeah. And so I inherited boxes and boxes of tiny little um, brown and white and gray and white <laughs> photographs of his life there. And so I I wanted to kind of make a piece that also engaged with that archive because it was an original archive and photographs had never really been seen in public. Um, And when I was going through his photographs, I found a recurring image of a man, a colored man, um, who 
it turned out to be my father's stretcher bearer. And oh, there, okay. were, there were repeated images of him in these photographs in different positions, different moments. Um, and I started to wonder about him. I, I had no idea who he was. There was no indication of his name at that stage. And um, so I, I started to kind of fictionalize and imagine a different kind of stuckness of um, a, a, a combatant, a black combatant in a South African regiment in the Second World War who had gotten stuck in um, an, an Italian grave. And and I started to do quite a bit of research around what the conditions were like for, for black combatants. Um, he was a member of the Cape Corps that I do know. So it seemed like that there was a possibility of, of, of these two kind of stucknesses meeting somehow. And then Mark Fleischman, who's the director and, and also my partner and who we work together a lot, we started, we always like to look for a bigger kind of story to hold the personal story. So we um, looked at Dante's Inferno mm. and um, we looked at uh, the poet Virgil who guides Dante through these levels of, of hell. And so I think thought that in a way that there was this woman stuck in grief for her father and somehow through the photographs she finds this guide of the stretcher bearer who's in a himself stuck but can guide her through the hell of the second world war and also the hell of her own grief My so goodness. <laughs> that's that's quite a story about how it all came into being because i mean obviously at the time of your father's death it must have been a shocking and traumatic experience but it's interesting that there still seems to be a bit of shock and trauma around it. Well, I think help uh, making the piece um, definitely shifted something for Did me. It? Absolutely. Cathartic. Yes, Is it that was, what you mean? It, it was cathartic in the sense that I think um, there were, it, it, the play explores a particular event where the daughter failed the father. And in a way, it it looks at that and, and comes to some kind of forgiveness and some forgiveness of the father and also forgiveness of herself in terms mm-hmm. of, of how um, she was not able to be there for, for her father in that, in that way. And that's what often happens with complicated grief is that there's a moment of regret or severe regret um, or incapacity yes. on both sides. Did so. you did you read about grief? Did you yes. read books about grief? Were you were you um, counselled? All that sort of thing. Well, I was. You know, I mean, I have myself been through a therapeutic process uh, over the years. Um, and it, actually, when my father died, I did go into with a lovely Jungian analyst. I did go into into therapy to try and make peace with this process. But I think the process of the play really was was the the thing. I mean, I, the piece sounds. Like like it's it's very personal, but in actual fact, it's personal. But it you know you wouldn't know it was my story if you mm-hmm. came to watch watch the play. And and I think you know when when we performed it in Cape Town at the Baxter Theatre, there was such a strong um, recognition from you know we've all gone through grief. Yes, we've exactly. all lost. I was going to say people will be able to relate to it. Absolutely. So and it was such a strong connection around the this journey of grief and mm-hmm. how complicated and often 
difficult it can be. It's not easy. It doesn't get wrapped up easy. And the play is like that in a way. It doesn't, it's not easy. It's, <laughs> it's complicated. It's not a, there's no easy solution to yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, not a laugh a minute, put it that way. No, I mean, there's a lot of playfulness I in it. I believe there's some humor <laughs> in it, yes. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, deal, it deals with a, a subject that leaves us all really reeling mm-hmm. a little bit, yeah. Let's have your first piece of music, and it sort of seems appropriate somehow that rather mesmerizing first movement of the Bach cello suite in G, the first one, the prelude. Is this something special? Why did you choose it? I, I just love it. It's very, very soulful. It, it, it kind of speaks to me. It calms me. I, I really, I just love it. <laughs> okay, and our cellist here is Yo-Yo Ma. There's something mesmerizing about those cello suites. And that was the prelude to the first cello suite, the one in G, soloist Yo-Yo Ma, and the first choice of my guest on People of Note this week, whose name is Jenny Resnick, and whose play, Snapped, is about to open at the Baxter, backed by popular demand. And I just wanted to say, Jenny, about these cello suites. You know, someone told me that a musician told me that listening to the Bach's cello suites was like sitting listening to a very wise elderly man mm-hmm. sitting down and talking to you about life and all its things. And so, therefore, it was interesting that you chose it in view of the subject of this play. And the other thing, the Snapped, the title, has that to do with the photographs? Absolutely, absolutely. Because ah, I wondered where Snapped come from. <laughs> I thought you meant, you know, snapped away from your father or something. I mean, I, I think it, it, it operates on a lot of different levels. But initially, my, my father used to, he had a diary from the war. And um, he used to talk about how, oh, what a lovely mist there was this morning. I wish I could have taken a snap of the sun through the mist and things like mm-hmm. that. So he, and he always used to call his photographs snaps. Yeah, right. my snaps. Jim. Right, right. <laughs> so that was the initial thing. But I think also... Um, there is it is a sense of of one is snapped in grief one is mm-hmm. kind of broken um, so it looks at that notion of kind of losing one's mooring of kind of being snapped and broken apart in a way yeah, through yeah. so so yeah so that's a kind of because it's interesting you didn't call it snaps and that you call it snapped yes which makes sense with what you've just said yes absolutely that. I mean there is I, I don't want to give it away but there is a huge tree that falls and breaks in in the piece um so i think that's also a sense of well snapped absolutely the impact of of loss and and grief Mm -hmm. the world changes yeah and this chap carlo daniels who plays with you apparently Mm. taught him as well yes yes. um so it must have been quite fulfilling for you to have him in a play that is so personal. Yes, I mean, Carlo, Carlo is a brilliant actor. I mean, he, he had worked a lot with um, David Kramer and mm-hmm. um, done a lot of musicals with him before he came to Magna Theatre. So Magna Theatre has a full-time training and job creation program that basically bridges young people from the townships into tertiary education and into employment in the profession. 
And so Carlo came along and auditioned and we said to him, Carlo, you know, you're, you're a performer already. Why do you want to study? And he said, no, he feels like he really needs a methodology. He doesn't have a, and he wants to be stretched. And I think it was true. He was kind of being typecast. So he was brilliant to have in the training program. He was kind of a leader and he was so focused and he, he really was a top student. And then, and then he's been incredibly sought after on, on graduation. And he's, I mean, he's just come back from Edinburgh. He's been performing my Michael Kay in the Baxter's production of, oh, really? of The Life and Times of Michael wow. Kay. Yeah. So he's really lovely and and he is just the loveliest person and he has really taken on board this character of, of the stretcher bearer and really felt it quite deeply, his story. And yeah, so it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. He's completely you know, professional. He, he, he's you know more than half my age. Is <laughs> a bit of a challenge to keep up with him, but he's incredibly. Uh, it's just been a huge pleasure to work with him, and he's a, he's really a beautiful, beautiful performer. So I was just thinking at the beginning, you said you saw pictures of snaps of the stretcher bearer, but you knew nothing about him. Mm-hmm. So in fact, you've had to invent him in a sense, haven't you? You've had to invent his persona. Exactly. That must have been something to work on. Yes. I mean, I, I think, you know, at that time, I all I had was the historical um, notes about the conditions for uh, the, you know, members of the Cape Corps that were um, basically part of that regiment. Um, and, you know, so I, I had I had some cornerstones, historical cornerstones to imagine into. Mm. And also, you know, my fa- one of the things that my father did when he was um, the official photographer is that he took photographs of a lot of the graves of the men who fell often in the field and the, they were often buried at the side of the road in temporary graves and temporarily marked graves and my father took what as part of the archive was thousands and thousands of photographs of men's graves mm-hmm. which he took to basically show families back home where right. men were buried and then and then the men were then transported after the war the, the bodies were transported into more official war cemeteries at, at the end of the war Gosh, what a business My yeah goodness. what a business I mean I think that's the other thing about about the piece is a very, very strong anti-war statement. Oh, yes, it sounds like it. Yeah, so it's very, very powerfully um, looks at the futility of war and the the waste, the human waste. And I mean, I think, unfortunately, you know, in in, in globally, we're still in a state well, of... Well, I saw, I don't know if you saw a picture the other day of a woman in Ukraine in tears weeping about the bodies that were piling up of her, of her countrymen. Yeah. So yeah. the fertility is, yeah. you say, yeah. So, so it's, it really is very, very strongly stating that uh, this this thing that we do, mm. that it is really um, so futile and so destructive and so painful, and and has echoes all the way through. I mean, I, I think one of the the things that um, what what was difficult for me about accepting my father's loss is that he he presented an idea of himself as a hero and he was a war hero he was decorated um during the war um and he you know for bravery and his whole persona was one of that he was a hero he was never going to die he was mm. always going to avoid the landmines he was always going which to which he did clearly which he did and so when he did die it was quite a shock um, but I think it was also because, in a way, he found it, having witnessed all the pain. He was a medic during the war, so oh, he was, like, gosh. stitching up bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that he found it very difficult to accept his own vulnerability after 
the you know the, the experience the of, trauma the, of the I mean I actually think he was probably um, slightly post traumatically stressed so I think that the experience of the war is not just something that echoes for the person who experiences it it goes through the generations I mean I remember my sister um, Renee Resnick who's a, a concert pianist and lives in London she's older than me but she used to say that she used to have mem- memories and dreams as if she was in the war and they were kind of his memories mm. you know? isn't that interesting it's so interesting gosh, gosh. Yeah. Mm. all right let's have another piece of music uh, Jenny what have you got next uh, Billy Eilish yes <laughs> What is that? Tell me what this is all about. I just, Why do you laugh? I just no. I, I love it. It's very kind of sultry and sensuous, and oh, it's just also something that really kind of calms me down. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's listen to your sultry choice. Billy Eilish, and that piece called Billy Bossanova, uh, a sultry choice by my guest today, who's Jenny Resnick, whose play called Snapped is opening on the 6th of September at the Magnet Theatre. You mentioned, uh, Jenny, about the Magnet Theatre being mm. a choice. Just tell me a bit about the Magnet Theatre. Where is it, first of all? So the Magnet Theatre is an observatory. Um, we have a beautiful little 150-seat theatre, that, and we've been there, I think, 12 years. We don't always operate as a theatre with shows because we kind of balance. We have a full-time training and job creation program and other um, youth development projects that we have. So we kind of balance the, the training and the youth development with um, professional productions in, in the evening. But it's a very beautiful theatre, and it's, there's a, a, a parking lot, private parking lot outside. Side, so okay. it's very safe. So how does it work? How do people come to you? Uh, can they come sort of off the street, so to speak? For the training program, yes, you mean? Yes, for the training um, program. Well, we've now had six cohorts, so we actually have a hundred graduates. Wow! And yeah, yeah, that's and quite a thing. It is quite a thing, and we've also we track them every year. So we've been able to see that over the last five years, ninety-four percent of the graduates are either employed or in tertiary education or creating their own income generating projects. So that's a very good record. It actually, is a very good it? record. And on top of that we've managed to get thirty six first time university attendees in their families into university. Oh wow, my goodness. And, and twenty three have graduated, some of them six of them have had postgraduate degrees. And so we can see that the throughput rate um, is much higher of the graduates that come from Magnet than, than other first-time university attendees in their family in the university because mm-hmm. there's a, a very high dropout rate for, mm-hmm. for young people who come into the university who have never had an experience of it in their family before. But then apart from that, what do, you, do you have regular productions at the Magnet? Yes, yeah, so we kind of bounce between uh, productions at Magnet Theatre and then we often have co-productions at the Baxter Theatre. So 
In fact, this year we've had two productions at the Baxter Theatre, which are part of a research project that Magnet Theatre and Mark Flashman and Mandela Mbotwe, the other two artistic directors, have been engaged with, which is looking at reimagining tragedy in Africa and the global south. So we've um, had one piece called Dechrele Letrisa, which has been on at the Baxter this year, and another piece, um, Oedipus at Colonus, hashtag after Sophocles, which has also been… <laughs> what a lovely title. Yes, it is. It's lovely. <laughs> a mischievous title. Yes. Um, so… We kind of balance between the training and professional productions, but also what the training allows us is allows us to develop a whole lot, a whole cohort of young actors who they, we then employ in in the professional productions uh, and put them into your productions. Exactly, at yeah, like Carlo, you know, for example, yeah, and yeah. Um, We I think there were seventeen actors on the stage, and I think all of them were graduates of of, of Magna Theatre. The same with Oedipus. And also in the last nine years, we've had a creative focus um, looking at creating theater for under seven-year-olds. What? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And what's amazing about that work is that it has toured all over the world. So these little productions, you know, they're about 40 minutes long. They're very South African, very African, very full of African textures and songs and sounds. They've toured. We've toured to the Brooklyn Academy of Music in New York. We've gone to Italy and France and and often provided these young actors with their very first experience of international travel. I'm sure. And they were all under seven. No, the, the, the shows are for under seven-year-olds, oh, but the oh, okay. actors ah, who create it are, are the, the young actors from the full-time training okay. and job no, creation program. That, makes, program. that yes. makes more sense. No, 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 no. no. I couldn't. We, no, no, no. no. So the, the performances are, are really introducing theater to very young audiences. Okay, okay. <laughs> There's a tremendous energy with you, Jenny. And um, I just want to talk a bit about you because… I mean, you are fundamentally an actor, aren't you, first and foremost, Mm. but you write and direct and all Mm. that sort of thing. But, I mean, you've been in many things, and also this work, Snapped, you say is a – it's a companion piece to something else you wrote. What was that? So, um, I think about five years ago now, Mm. I made a piece called I Turned Away and She Was Gone, and it was basically looking at – a relationship between mothers and daughters and um, looking at kind of three different incarnations of women, a, you know, young girl, um, a mature woman, a mother, in fact, four, and then an old crone. And in a way, the title is I turned away and she was gone, this kind of sense that you turn away for a moment from the mirror and you look back and there's, you know, an older version of yourself there. <laughs> and where, you know, where has the, younger, happened, yes. where has the younger version gone? So, mm-hmm. um, and that, piece was also kind of had a mythic base. We looked at the um, Persephone Demeter story as kind of a frame for understanding this inevitable process of, of, of a young girl needing to grow up. She's got to leave the mother. She's got to go on her own journey. So I was trained um, at Jacques Lecoq, who's a, a kind of maître of, of physical theatre. Yes, as you say, theatre is quite famous. Yes. I had someone here the other day who said that she trained with him. Yes. I can't remember who it was. Sylvain Strike. Yes, Sylvain. Yes. yes. Same 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 formation. So right. so he was really, you know, an incredibly powerful influence in terms of, of my formation as as a performer. So that was my training. And then I've, our Magnet Theatre's work mainly focuses on the language of the body in terms of, I suppose, also because we wanted to, in, in South Africa, make the work as accessible as possible with all the you know, language diversity. So we mm-hmm. wanted to work with a physical language that was more universal. 
And it was only when I um, came to, I turned away, she was gone, and Mark, um, the director, said to me, we were trying things out and nothing was working. I was trying to work with a body and I was trying to work, but it was just terrible. It wasn't working. And he said, why don't you go and write? And I said, no, I can't. <laughs> I can't write. And then I went into the empty room with my laptop and I literally, in, a, in two weeks, I sat and wrote a play. Good. First time. First time. And it was like, it was like something that was, I felt that play wrote me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I wrote it. I, you know, it was that sort of feeling. And it was really wonderful. And I got so excited and I suddenly thought, oh, my God, maybe I can write. <laughs> you know, and Mark, Mark has very funny, he has a gesture, his hands ring like this when something is interesting. <laughs> and when he was reading the play, like his hands were going like this. And so I thought, okay, okay. <laughs> and so, and then when it came to this play, Snapped, also because I had no one to play with because we were all in lockdown, again, it was the desire to just, well, let me try. Let me write again. And I actually love it. So this is your second, your My second, second written, write, play. written play. My yes. goodness. But Both with quite intense um, subjects, actually. Yes. Yes. Possibly more the second one snapped because yes. of the, as you said, the grief trauma and all yes. that. I mean, I like, I like making pieces that really speak to um, moments, difficult moments in, in people's lives, things mm-hmm. that are not necessarily that easy to digest. So I turned away and she was gone. You know, I think it's hard. It's about aging. You know, and it's not easy, you know. <laughs> how Well, we won't give your age away, but how old were you when your father died? So my father died 18 years ago, so I have to calculate. <laughs> no, don't worry, then you'll give your age away. Uh, I don't mind. I mean, I'm, I'm 64, so he died 18 years ago. Let me work it out. Um, 42? I was 46. 46, mm-hmm. 46, mm-hmm. right. Which is quite a mature age to experience what you've gone through um, with the grief of your father. I thought he was going to live forever. Yeah, I know when you think uh, a war hero and all that. Indestructible. 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 Okay, another piece of music. India Ari. What? Can I walk with you? What's this all about? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if it's any different. It's also, I mean, I I looked at all the choices of music that I made and I saw they were all quite sort of soulful, quite kind of mellow. But um, I, I like her voice. I think she's got an extraordinary voice, and I, I really enjoy her vocal quality. India. Ari, and a piece called Can I Walk With You? Another choice of my guest, Jenny Resnick, on People of Note this week. And Jenny, you said you you said that um, you were a bit worried that the music sounded a bit soulful. But actually, we're talking about quite a soulful play, aren't we? Mm. Uh, this play, Snapped, which, by the way, is coming back to the Magnet Theatre on the 6th of September. And I want you to tell me a bit more about the play. In, we've discussed a lot about how it was written. And the person who goes to see it is it um, action-packed? Is there a lot of dialogue? Is it accessible, I suppose is what I'm asking, to a person who may not 
have experienced grief. Yes, very accessible. It really follows quite a simple story. A woman who's stuck, Mm. who starts to remember um, aspects of her father's life and then gets kind of hauled into this past of her father's past of the war and meets the stretcher bearer and and slowly comes to some kind of understanding of what has happened between her and her father and why she's stuck. So it's it's. It's very rich. So the whole piece is encased in these um, – there's a lot of video projections. So there's a lot of the visual images of my father's um, films and my father's photographs. And then there's original music by Naomi Younger. And there's a, a, a also a, quite a, a strong physical score, if you like, or physical text that choreographed by Ina Wichterricht. So there's a lot to look at. Yes. It's not boring. <laughs> <laughs> And I presume we were worried about this earlier. It's not depressing. No. If anything, no. it's reassuring and uplifting. It's reassuring and uplifting um, because it ends. Oh, man, I mustn't give the story no, away. No, don't give the story away. No, no, but, I, but I say it ends with a sense of letting go, mm-hmm. of letting go and moving on, the ability to move on, live on, um, continue. And and um, what's what's really interesting is that the story of the um, the actual stretcher bearer, um, the research around that story has also continued, so that the story keeps on moving on, which is kind of what life is. You, well, you it know is I mean? absolutely. So so it's a bit, through thick and thin. Absolutely. So it's a sense that even there's loss, yes, but things move on and stories continue and the reverberations and ripples of stories continue. So I think that's what I love about the piece is the sense of that we're all in this river and mm. it keeps moving on. And um and I mean also I, I mean there's a, a huge kind of collaboration of such creative people working on the production. So I see that. Yeah. So. It's a sort of who's who, isn't it, of people, uh, the backstage people that you've got working with you. And the big question I want to ask you, because we're nearing the end of our program, is what effect has it had on you? Has it? I know you wrote it some time ago, but what sort of effect has it been cathartic? Has it helped you with your grief? Totally. Oh, really? I, I, yeah, no, I really feel that, that the process of making the play and the process of every night, I felt like I was having a conversation with my father every night, mm-hmm. So um, every night that I performed it. So there's a sense that, that instead of being stuck in something, I feel that there's a much more active engagement now happening with his memory, and, and I don't feel stuck anymore. Gosh, but um, that's that's quite a major thing to say. It is. So it's worked on so many <laughs> levels, not only for the audience because you've won awards and things, but um, it's worked for you as a person. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, for for me, um, and I think all of us at Magna Theatres, we kind of understand theatre as a kind of healing space mm-hmm. because it it's a space also for, for audiences to come and have a – a richer sense of what it is to be a human being yes. and to uh, and to empathize for other people that they might not have had an understanding of before. So for me, theater is this space that just opens things up in a really glorious and generous way. So, wonderful way of putting it. Yes. Jenny. And that, that's wonderful. what I feel about theater. And that's yeah. what I that's what I hope uh, people coming to the show will will have a sense of the kind of richness of their own life, of their own grief, of their own losses. And and they in a way their resilience in moving on. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's quite a <laughs> quite a statement. But now what are you going to do after this? When this is finished, this is backed by popular demand. What's next on your schedule? 
Well, um, now that you're a, an established writer, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I don't. I mean, to be honest, I don't know. We're redoing Oedipus at Colonus after Sophocles at Vortfius, which we're very excited to do. We've been invited to make a small 11-minute piece for the Center for the Less Good Idea, William Center, William Kentridge's Center in Johannesburg. So we're working on that. I have often thought that because I've made one piece around the loss of my mother and one piece around the loss of my father, I was kind of, I have been asking myself the question. <laughs> now what? Yes. Now, now what? But I, I do want to make a, a piece for early years, myself as a performer, but I, I haven't any clear idea about it at the moment. But it's something that you will write. Or play. Oh, okay. Or, or, play. Or, or play. Oh, I don't know. The jury's out about what I might write. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. But by all accounts, you're quite busy, which is a good thing for actors, writers, directors today, isn't it? Yes. No, we, we are. Magnet is really a bit too busy for, for what <laughs> but we that's good. That's good. For, for our staff and what we have on, on our plates. But um, it's exciting. I mean, I, I'm, as you said, I, I, first and foremost, I'm a performer. That's what I love doing the most. So I really love having the performance projects ahead. Um, but I'm also, you know, I mean, I direct and we, we're going to be traveling with one of our under seven-year-old productions to Bologna in Italy in October to a little festival there. So there's a lot happening and we hope it will continue that way. We're going to end shortly with some music from this production, Snapped, uh, some original music. But before that, I want to ask you, as you've been talking about your father's films and photographs, Snapped is the name of this, had you ever thought of publishing a book of all these photographs? Um, because they surely would be, in, like you said, the graves on the side of the road, yes. things people haven't seen. Yes. Um, and it would make a fascinating document, don't you think? I, I, I definitely feel that there is still a project there with my father's photographs and his, you know, his writing and his archive. I don't know what form it will take. I don't know whether it's an online archive, um, a website, or whether it's a book. Um, I'd go for a coffee table book, you uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> <Because> <laughs> I've, you know, I, mean, I think there's also war museums, which I think mm, would be very interested in those photographs. So it's, I, I feel there's a work still to happen. I have to carve out some space and some support to, to decide and to see what is the best form. Because my father also used to make movies. Oh so my, he's got okay. about 10 or, or no, about 16 8-millimeter films that he, or 16, I can't remember which Probably one. Probably 16. 16, yes, tiny, yes. tiny, tiny one, 16 yeah. millimeter. Well, eight is even smaller, of course, yes, no, unless it is eight. No, I think it's eight because he used to do the, he, there was no sound. Yes. And yes. he used to have to have the, the audio separately, which he would kind of sync up manually. <laughs> really? <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> but he won awards. He won awards for his movies in an international festival. What was your Rapala. father's name? Joel, Dr. Joel Robert Resnick. Your father? My father. Dr. Joel Robert, Robert Resnick. Resnick. And they called him Coffee because he was born in Coffee Fountain. Okay. Well, that's sweet. Just one more quick thing. And yes. we, as always on radio, you run out of time, Jenny. But a few times you've mentioned you went into a room. Mm. What's in this room? Where is this room? <laughs> the, I suppose the room is a kind of empty space. It can be a rehearsal room anywhere. It can be an empty room in my home where there is nothing and where I, one goes in to try and start to and make a work. And shuts the door. And shuts the and door. And sits behind the computer. And sits there, all plays on the floor. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's the space. It's a room. It's the space of where one creates from. Okay. Yeah. Now, finally, you've got some music here 
from this production of Snapped. Tell me what it is, who wrote it, and what we're going to hear. So um, it's called The Boatman's Song, and it's composed by Naomi Younger, and it's sung beautifully by Carla Daniels. And basically it's taken from um, Dante's Inferno um, of the boatman who rows uh, Dante across the river Styx. Okay. Well, Jenny has been fascinating talking to you. I'm sure your play is going to do very well. It's at the Magnet Theatre from the 6th to the 23rd of September. So go along to Observatory and see what promises to be quite a, an extraordinary experience in the theatre with your way of tackling grief. Um, so it sounds fascinating. Jenny, you've been a lovely guest. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. It's really been lovely to chat to you. <laughs>